Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain, and I'm here with Emily DePass right now. We're continuing a conversation that we had on in, uh, Instagram TV, on Instagram Live, where we talked about community as a cure. Now, I want to make sure that this is clear. There is no known cure for herpes as of January 5th, 2019. I think I said 2018 the first time. So, All right, so it's good that we're doing this over. <laughs> but... Um, without rambling too much, um, like I said, just this is a continuation from that conversation. And one of the things that I find in talking to a lot of people is that a lot of their suffering is in response to their HSV diagnosis. And I'm not downplaying the physical pain by any means, but the emotional response can just be like so powerful over us and then we also add to it by isolating ourselves when in fact one of the most healing things we can do is allow ourselves to access our communities and when I say community I don't mean uh, just a herpes support group or finding other people who have herpes and just being around them what I mean is the community that we all have and belong to be it our family be it through hobbies and interests um, and volunteering just different passion projects being able to allow ourselves to invest more energy into those activities um, and be around those people who are reflecting uh, every, and who are reflecting back to us what it is that we were prior to our diagnosis and just who we are. And I think that that sense of community really like centers us and brings us back home and can contribute to the healing of the emotional and mental response to an HSV diagnosis. <sighs> I got it all out. <laughs> um, so we chatted before on our live video about the distinction between self-reflection and isolation, which I think is really important to put in this video as well. Uh, and I also want to say that when, when we're diagnosed, it's almost instantaneous from most people that I chat with. Again, not everyone, but most people say they immediately feel this sense of overwhelming, you know, disgust or shame or guilt. Um, and that's perceived stigma. So that's how we feel, um, what, you know, what society tells us what herpes is and people who have herpes, how they should be or could be. And so there's this little disconnect from identity and trying to find ourselves. And so that's part of the self-reflection. Um, and it's almost a self-stigmatization. Um, and then enacted stigma is also feared. So when we're, you know, when we're disclosing to someone, when we're disclosing to our communities, there's a fear that we'll face enacted stigma, which is when someone, you know, will shame you or will, um, you know, say that, no, you know, I really don't want to have sex with you. So I think we're dealing with two, it's the same stigma, but two variances of it. Mm -hmm. And when you find people that reach out to you and they're suffering from their response to these varied stigmas, is it stigmas or stigma or stigma? What I'm is the really plural sure. form of stigma? Okay. All right. We're going to go with I that. Wrong. <laughs> we'll go with wrong. that. So their response to the stigma, when people come to you, um, what do you find is most useful to them in taking the next step from the response that they have? Uh, I think just finding someone that they can relate to, uh, which is this sense of community that you're sharing. So I think it's important to have, your community outside of herpes, but I think it's also important to know that you're not alone. Like it, it can be very isolating. Um, and it was for me as many people that come to me say, you know, I feel so alone. Like, and you know, no matter the statistics, you can tell someone like, Hey, you know, it's super common, but 
I feel like the statistic doesn't, it's not uh, enforced almost, you know, herpes, 90% of the population somewhere in between there has HSV-1 or HSV-2, one of the two. Um, some people can have both, um, but it, it doesn't feel that way because, you know, there are very few people talking about it. It seems that there are more now, which is great. Um, there are more resources of just regular people. And I don't mean to, uh, to put our work down, but just, you know, just, I feel like we're easy to relate to. Um, I think there need to be more variances and identities. Um, you know, I'm very, I'm privileged. I am a white skinny woman who has access to higher education. Uh, I have the means for therapy. You know, not everyone has access to these things. Um, and so I think finding someone that relates to your identity and that you can see, um, or relate to is important. Yeah. And with that, do we just, is there a sense of, oh, that person looks like me, that person can relate to me. And there's almost like a sense of relief to it because coming into this with my own personal diagnosis, I did feel alone. I didn't realize I was suffering until I had something to compare it to, which was once I found myself in a community of others, of uh, people who do and don't look like me. I think that when I found someone who looked like me, I was so relieved by that. And taking it back to the community aspect, it was like I got there and felt more free to be myself and express around these complete strangers who had this one thing in common with me. Uh, what were you going to say? You looked really excited. Oh, I was just going to say, I think, I think, um, aside from herpes, 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 it's a larger, uh, issue of relatability. Like even walking into a room, like in a university, people of color, you know, are happy to see another person that looks like them and can relate to their, uh, marginalization. Whereas I am typically one of many white women and I'm rarely in a space where there's, yeah. people that don't look like me. So I think that sense of community is, it extends to other areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that too, for real. Mm -hmm. Cause uh, there've been instances where um, like I'll be at a party or a frat party or something and I'll see another black guy be like, oh, what's up, man? There's like this unspoken connection or whatever. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And going back to coming into the communities where there were other cisgendered black identify as male i hope i'm saying this right if i if you want to say what cisgender means for people that might not or please do you that together yeah well do you have the like book dictionary book dictionary book definition i mean i was, it's just i was gonna say you know their gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth oh okay that that was way That's less like, complicated than i thought it was well what's your definition well, I mean, I, I didn't even know what cis meant. I just know. So I follow a lot of people on Instagram and I'm kind of figuring all of this out along the way. But in what I've seen, it's cis men just to me. I just thought it was like, you know, what our historical definition of what a man was. So I have my a, a textbook here. I have my Justin Lay Miller textbook for psychology of human sexuality. And the cisgender definition is having a gender identity and expression that is consistent with one's biological sex. Oh, sex so so cis is just short for cisgender. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we don't say cisgender man. We say cis man, cis woman. Uh, 
I'm not sure. Okay. To be honest with you. Okay. I, all right, so nobody's gonna like send me any emails later and be like, "Hey, you said this wrong." All right. We are we are all learning together. All right, if yeah. Something that we should learn, some, and someone has something to say, please let us know. Yeah, please do that. Always and, open. Yeah, I mean, it, you and I also had another conversation about this to the side about um, your recent experience in explaining what it is that you do, and I think that. One of the things that came up, maybe it was just something that you posted. You said, like, it costs us nothing to be respectful. Yes. Yeah. So I want to make sure that people are understanding that in figuring this out, like, I'm new to this, Emily studying this, and I feel safe with conversing with her about these kinds of issues, which is why we're able to have this kind of a conversation. So that as she's learning, I'm also learning and able to practically apply this stuff so that when I go off and do podcast episodes with complete strangers, everyone feels a sense of respect. So I want this to be a safe place where we can talk about a lot of societal issues that we're dealing with as well, be it uh, gender, race, sex. What else are we talking about here? (laughs) Everything that comes up. Um, Politics. Everything. Yeah, yeah. So this is a safe space for all of that, and just just know that. And this is a good demonstration of what that looks like, even to have an uncomfortable conversation. Like we're interested in having this conversation for the sake of helping people, and we're learning. And as we go along, we're gonna mess up, but just know that it's out of that the respect is there. So thank you, Courtney. Oh, that was lovely. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And um. What was I going to say? I was talking about the, oh, the community aspect. So being able to walk in and see someone who looks like me was just such a relief. And in being able to walk out of that kind of an interaction and see, oh man, you know, this dude is cool. This person is cool. And I can be, I can be myself. That person's just themselves. Walking away from that and going back to my own friends, the, my own community, I felt like I couldn't bring that with me for some strange reason. And in hindsight, I realized that I felt more free to express myself wholly around people who knew I had herpes than I did around people who've known me for years and didn't know I had herpes. And once I realized there was a disconnect, it was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to bring these two together. Cause I wouldn't, no, no, go, go, please. I was just going to ask about, um, when you had this realization about the disconnect, was that part of your self-reflection or how did that come about? That's a good question. Um, Thinking back, I think that it hit me when a friend said something to me who didn't know I had herpes. So I leave a support group or some sort of a function, and I was just happy. Like I, My friends would ask me, oh, what are you doing? Why aren't you, can you come do whatever? Let's come watch a game. And I'm like, oh, I'm going on this float trip. And they're like, oh, well, why wasn't I invited? I'm like, oh. I had to keep it a secret from them. Like, and mind you, these are my friends. And I'm talking about like an event with complete strangers where I'm like myself. And eventually I just, I had to come clean about it. It It's like, okay, here's what it is. I have herpes and you know, I'm basically going to hang out with my friends who have herpes. (laughs) And I wouldn't go into any kind of details or anything like that. And then my friends would just be like, Oh dude, that's it. (laughs) That's the, that's the, the funny part about it because I guess 
I guess I had it in my mind that I was gonna be forced into isolation or something like I would be rejected by my friend group and I can't tell you how much of a relief it was to tell that handful of people that I told who were close to me and for them to still be around or still want to be my friend and then being able to um, be that same person consistently because I realized how much of a drain it was to have to be two people so I had to be one person. I got to be exactly who I was in the groups. I got to be funny, expressive, and all these other things. And then I get back around my friends, and it's just like, oh, I hope they don't find out I have herpes. I hope they don't know. So in a sense, I was, while surrounded by people so close to me who've known me for so long so well, I was isolated. Like, I'm, you can be in a room full of people and still be alone. And then in the community of people, I... I felt a sense of community like a, a, in when I was surrounded by people who knew that I had herpes. That's what it was. That was a sense of community. So it became a point of, OK, how do I bring these two things together? And eventually it just happened to where I became open about my own uh, having HSV and built this podcast, uh, built this own like I built my own little like catalyst of a community because I don't want people to solely rely on this to meet people and uh, live their lives through and like have any sort of attachment to this podcast. I want it to be a gateway. I want this to be able to take people through their emotions and the process of being able to understand what it looks like to manage those and then walk out into the world and go back and doing whatever their hobbies were. If they were interested in cooking, if they were interested in knitting or going to Comic-Con conventions, which I'm into. So, (laughs) um, all those kinds of things. And that's where, like you said, the self-reflection comes in. I think that community allows for self-reflection to take place because when you are by yourself, you're able, you have something to compare it to. And it took for somebody to bring it to my attention, bring it to my awareness before I even began to evaluate that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being different. There was no congruency in my personality. There was no, I was out of alignment. I like that, out of alignment. Uh, I was also out of alignment and I didn't really have a space, a community of just herpes specific people at the time. Um, But I recall, you know, I wasn't working out. Um, I would try, but I was very, during the first week, I was very sensitive still, you know, to touch, to just being in this, it felt like a new body almost, which is so strange to think about now. Um, But, you know, I, I pushed through the gym. I would cry sometimes. Um, so that was really hard. And there were points when I just didn't go. And instead of going to the gym, you know, I picked up alcohol and I drank too much. Um, you know, I didn't go to work. I just sat in my bed. Um, so that's, that's the bad, that's the, uh, flip side of that self-reflection isolation piece. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't think we, I don't think we talked about that. No. The drinking? Yeah. Or the crime? Well, none of that. The drinking and the crying, like in the gym. I I didn't know that about you. I have one yoga teacher who still, she's my friend, uh, but she recalls when I was in her class and she's like, yes, I remember that day, you know, you were, you were crying. Um, so Oh. I, I know, it's like, what do you say to, it's like, what do you say to yourself? Right. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, I don't know what I would say to myself. So that's a good question. That's a very introspective question. Yeah. And in that introspective phase, I want to say I was in like a, I was very addicted to personal growth, personal development, self-help type stuff. 
And I spent a lot of time exploring different things because all of this was new to me. The whole self-reflection aspect was new. It was fun. It was exciting. It's like, I'm learning about myself. Who is this person? And I just immersed myself in figuring out exactly who I was through trial and error of doing things. Um, And I remember it was when... Um, my, my girlfriend and I broke up at that point in time and this was someone who she knew I had herpes and we were okay with it. But once that relationship ended and she left, I was like, what do I want to do? I want to go eat Mexican food. And I was like, wait, I don't really like Mexican food all that much. That's what she would have wanted to do. And so I spent a lot of time like, okay, well, what do I want to do? I basically talked to myself. (laughs) So I'm talking Okay, they say geniuses talk to themselves, so I think we're in. Is that right? (laughs) But uh, the talking to myself, the journaling, the writing, and that was probably where the self-reflection started. And I think it picked up when uh, friends began to point out, like, hey, you're not, something's off, I don't know what it is. And so... When I when I say these things, I mean, well, going back to community as a cure, what I mean by that is um, we know that a herpes diagnosis has it, it's there. It's not going anywhere, but our response to it changes. So my response to it in the beginning was that isolation, that loneliness. Nobody's going to want to sleep with me. I'm not going to have a girlfriend. These were the kinds of thoughts that I would have. And it affected my dating life during that time frame um, after my relationship was over and I then began to have to treat that so the quote-unquote cure for those emotions really was a sense of belonging a sense of community a sense of Courtney you are fine just the way you are You know, there's like who you are when you're around people who know you have herpes. That's who you really are. That's when you're in alignment. Bring that person with you wherever you go. And I took that person, I discovered that person, and I took that person into podcasting. I took that person into personal training. I took that person into the gym, into my relationship, relationships that I have with other people, friendships, uh, into my family. And I feel more free to be myself than I ever have before. So I'm cured of the negative emotions, the negative thoughts that came with my herpes diagnosis, which I feel are very important since we're, especially since we're not at a place of like a physical cure that can alleviate or cure the physical symptoms or the virus from your system. So the best thing that we can do in my experience and in the experiences of many people who've spoken to me about their own is to allow ourselves to participate in a community, like find that community. What is it that we like? Have that self-reflection, not isolation, but self-reflection to where you're able to identify what it is that is important to you. What's important to you? What are your passions? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? Spend, put energy into those things so that you can bring yourself into alignment and then uh, managing your stress that way helps with even managing the outbreaks like if you have an outbreak it's like oh okay i know what to do about it this is how i'm gonna move on i also want to say that i don't think you can have a different opinion than me just want to preface with that i don't think we can be completely cured of negative emotions from anything um 
I like I used to be very like I'm a very positive person. I have a positive outlook, but I still have bad days. I don't like to call them bad days, but I, you know, I have moments that get me down. Um, even about the stigma, there was the most recent one that I can recall was just from uh, Lash Spa. I'm not sure if we were in touch at that time, Courtney. We were. But I booked a massage. Yeah, at, yeah we book. I booked a massage at Lush Spa. And the massage therapist. Um, you know, I, it listed, it asked to list my medications and I put Valtrex and she's like, well, why do you take that? And I'm like, well, I have herpes. And she's like, so you have it down there. Um, and it was very judgmental and I still don't shop at Lush to this day because of that. Um, but you know, healing is not a linear process. Re- you know, recovery isn't a linear process. Like the moments of introspection, sometimes, you know, they lead to sadness. Sometimes they lead to happiness. Um, you know, we're humans, we're capable of so, so many emotions, um, that there are more words that we probably even know for them, which I'm sure is a fact. There's an emotion wheel somewhere out there that I will link to you because I love it. Um, but I just wanted to put that little plug in there. Okay. Yeah. And having having emotions is okay. Yes. Yes. Having emotions is okay. And I don't mean to, yeah, I, I don't mean to like downplay anyone's emotions whatever they are emotions are real our responses to situations are a hundred percent real and when i say yeah when i say cure myself of the negative emotions what i really mean is well shit just that to an extent i don't have bad days about herpes i haven't had any reminders that you know were just like oh the stigma's prevalent uh prevalent I'm always messing up words, and I'm not editing this, so. <laughs> but, we're just being our. We're living in authenticity. There you go. Yes, we can. We'll say that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm. Thank you for bringing that up, especially for the people who may listen to me and be like, "Oh, screw him. He's always positive and doesn't have any negative experiences." But like, maybe I'm just unaware of them. So thank you for adding that perspective to it as well. You're welcome. Cool. Um. The what else were we gonna add? I think that we touched on everything. I think we touched on pretty much what we wanted to share. Okay, cool. So, if you have anything else that you want to add, if you are missing something from this, if you feel that this was useful, if you feel like this was a complete waste of twenty three minutes of your time, let us know, <laughs> and we'll be able to adjust things accordingly. But this is just one hundred percent. I had a thought. I reached out to Emily. Emily just happened to be able to have this conversation with me, and I think that it's useful um, for anyone, really. And like I said, I'm not editing this, so we're living in authenticity. <laughs> and I. Thankful for the environment of respect um, and security that we've created, and for the platform that you've created, Courtney. So I just wanted to add that again too. Thank you, and I want to just be sure to add that it wouldn't be what it is without the listeners. It wouldn't be what it is without the guests you included, Emily. Thank you so much. Uh, I find myself to be very fortunate to be surrounded by such amazing people who are willing to. Um, put their own self, put themselves out there in order to serve this community of people who are struggling with dealing with and navigating the challenges of having an STI or even coming into contact with someone who has an STI and seeking information. Because I can't forget about those people who have reached out to me and said that they're negative, but a partner presented to them their positive status and just looking for resources to move forward. So this is something that's reaching very wide with people. And I want to do my best to make it even more useful. So, again, if you have any feedback you'd like to include, please don't hesitate to reach out. 
Please continue to like, rate, share, review this podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen on and keep us growing and getting more guests who are open about their SCI status and willing to help others work their way through their diagnosis. Till next time, stay positive.